0: Come on, honey. Impress me by being a regular listener to the Stick to Wrestling podcast. I want to thank Rod Stewart, my good friend, for writing that song about his favorite podcast, Stick to Wrestling. Give us 60 minutes and we will give you a wicked good podcast. Sean Goodwin, please welcome to the show and tell everyone about our fabulous Facebook group.
1: John's clearly running out of songs. Today's episode uh, is a perfect example of the value of our Facebook group as a kind of a companion uh, piece, and, uh, again, to what we do in the show. This episode, basically, the idea for this was taken from, uh, taken from the Facebook uh, page. One of the posts asked about doing a show just about one of the old magazines, the Aftermax.
0: Yeah, and that's what we'll be doing, and I will never run out of songs, and we'll get rolling <laughs> on that. Yeah, and one of the things that came up on the Facebook page, was, like, this is an example of like what it's like. Someone asked, okay, what was the worst promotion ever? And my answer was kind of like, okay, it has to be a promotion that lasted more than a year or two. So there goes California Championship Wrestling, and put it this way, if Al Tomko is on our Facebook group, I offended him today. But anyway, follow me on Twitter. Just put in the name John McAdam and go with the guy, Go with the wrestling guy. I don't stick just to wrestling, but it's definitely on the menu there. And yeah, we are, are going to get rolling. We're going to talk about one of the after magazines, the February 1982 Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. A little background here. I think this was the first PWI where Ric Flair was the NWA champion. Rick had the new car smell. The January 1982 Inside Wrestling and The Wrestler had him as the champion, and they came out a couple of weeks before Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Now, just to give you an idea where I was with these magazines, I mean, it's 1981. I am 16 years old. The magazine store in Nashua, New Hampshire, where I lived, got the magazines on Tuesday, but a bookstore in Merrimack, New Hampshire, got the magazines the Thursday before. Well, guess who made the trip to Merrimack, New Hampshire, at once a week, usually, always, if I knew that Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler, or Pro Wrestling Illustrated was coming out. So I'm taking at least 45 minutes Out of my day, just to get these things five days early. If I couldn't go on Thursday, I was going on Friday. If I couldn't go on Friday, I was going definitely on Saturday. And yes, I was making that trip to get these magazines three days early. That's who I was at this point in my life. And let me just give you an example. Here's an article. It was called On Assignment, and it was written by Steve Farhood, who I think really existed, unlike some of the other AfterMag uh, personalities like, um, like Matt Brock, who just didn't exist, or Liz Hunter, who didn't exist. He meets Dusty in Chicago. By the way, these, these columns this were so a lot, lot less formal. <laughs> it's so bad. These columns are, are so much uh, – a little bit less formal than the feature articles that they have. A little
1: and less formal. Dusty was having his blueberry pancake
0: pancakes and baby. The story was that, that uh, Steve Farhood met Dusty Rhodes in Chicago, and Dusty was in Chicago because he was having a meeting with his tax accountant. I guess this means that there were no good tax accountants in the whole state of Florida or the whole state of Georgia. But wait, this guy can only help Dusty, presumably, with his federal income tax returns. So already big hole in this story. And as a 16-year-old, I did pick up on this. Now, here we go where it gets absolutely crazy. As a six-year-old, I picked up on it. <laughs> this is Steve's voice. I ordered a bacon cheeseburger. And by the way... Putting bacon on burgers was like new and exotic at this point in time.
1: I it was like the Phantom Gourmet for the first seven
0: paragraphs. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I ordered a bacon cheeseburger and rice pudding. Dusty ordered two helpings of blueberry pancakes without syrup and a bowl of cottage cheese. Right then, I knew he was in a bad emotional state. He always—it's italicized—he always—, it's italicized, he always order syrup with his pancakes. <laughs> I'll tell you, even now, I'm a little bit embarrassed that these magazines were such a huge part of my life. I mean, granted, I got them for the news, but I also read them cover to cover as soon as I got home with them.
1: These in my memory were a lot better. I read this, and John will attest to this, I read this cover to cover, for the, mainly because I wanted to remember the ads. But, yeah, this this doesn't age well at all. Uh, first of all, you can get to New York from Florida closer than Chicago. Um, so well, yeah. I, I think you can find a decent accountant there. Um, <laughs> so they found him in Chicago for some reason. We have this whole pancake. The best part is that he has cottage cheese, too. With the, I guess he's on a diet. Uh,
0: so I we're think there has got to be an inside joke on yeah, Dusty.
1: This is like the equivalent of having some kind of like you know massive dessert and having Splenda on top of it. <laughs> I mean, what are you trying to prove? I mean, you know, but uh, yeah. So basically, the on a, a half a page of this story was just about what they were eating.
0: <laughs> a lot less formal than. Uh, Notice, I'm calling the the main articles formal.
1: <laughs> I still I still haven't got to the point yet, and we we're pretty much to the break. We haven't got to the point yet, except that he just lost the belt. And to, um, to back up what you were saying earlier, uh, the cover story in this magazine is about um, Rick's first title defense uh, against Harley Race. I'm guessing Bill went because they they had some great art, and they both must have known Bill was there because they both cut a gusher in the match. It was in Kansas City.
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you pick the next article to talk about, and I'll tell you whether or not Bill was there. I can find out.
1: Uh, okay. Let's see. Um, so let's see what else we had in the cover. Um, so in the cover, we have Rick bleeding and okay. This is an easy one. Uh, another Photos one is uh,
0: After There it is.
1: Yeah. Another one is Morocco getting, uh, robbed by, uh, built by, uh, Bob Backlund. There was a big expose in the magazine proving that Don Morocco should be the world champion.
0: And inclusive that, evidence how Bob Backlund's title is saved by the referees. Pictures. Now they're baby faced Bob Backlund to death in these in these things. So this is kind of a curveball here.
1: So and I mean and, and, you know knowing the you know Don Morocco mark from this time that I am I agree completely.
0: Well, That's yeah, and, and getting a little bit off the uh, the topic as far as the magazine itself. I mean all of Bob's title defenses in Madison Square Garden that I have on film. Philly that I have on film in Boston that I went to, they, hardly any of them had a clean finish. There was always, you know, something in there where the heel could say, oh, I I was robbed.
1: Okay, the other story is, uh, just uh, the other stuff on the front page is a horrific story about Ken Batera. Well, again, yeah, this is almost surreal. It, it was like, there was a couple of spots in this issue where there was like peyote was involved somewhere, and the <laughs> Ken Batera, well could have been. the Ken Batera story was one of them. Uh, but I'll we'll get to that in a second, and then we have the uh, ballot for the uh, wrestlers and the you know the awards for 1981, the year-end rewards. <laughs> and I, I we're knew so when they a stamp,
0: so they picked them.
1: When does it come
0: out? This
1: is February. We're having the awards for last year.
0: Okay, I rem- specifically remember this magazine coming out in like early to mid December 1981. It was it was it was like Christmas season. Uh,
1: okay, so, uh,
0: which which story you want to talk about next? Oh, uh, let me see. Let's go with the... I have one. I mean, let's go with the Morocco story, because what had gone on here is Morocco and Backland had just, the month before, they had gone to the, that one-hour draw, which is not available on film as far as I know. They announced this, a rematch that was, you know, a two-hour time limit, I believe, and... Backland beat Morocco uh, when, when Morocco had his foot on the ropes, and they're showing all kinds of pictures of superstar Billy Graham famously having his foot on the rope when Backland won the title. Uh, they've got another one of Backland against uh, Angelo Mosca from earlier that year. So, yeah, like I said, they were always not, maybe not making Backland look good, but definitely not letting the heels look bad.
1: What would be the reason behind the story? Is there anything political or is just, oh, we have all this cool footage of, uh, you know, there's the picture of Morocco looking at the referee with his leg over the rope. And, you know, as you said, there's the uh, the shot of Graham. I mean, did uh, someone make a phone call or something or?
0: Uh, no, Here's here's really, here's what happened. I mean, they would go to the arenas and take pictures and then they would go back to the office and make stories around the pictures and they came up with some crazy stories. I mean, you, I can only imagine what it was like being in that office, maybe at night and, you know, coming up with this stuff. And you mentioned peyote. I wouldn't rule it out. Did anyone ever push back? Uh, As far as I know, no. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew that. You know, they're called the After magazines, even though they were owned by. uh, I just had his name. Stanley Weston. Thank you. I just had his name in my head. Uh, But but After ran the show, and everyone just kind of rolled with him. And he got
1: his start as a photographer, of course.
0: Yes. And then he, you know, slowly but surely made his way up, you know, up the ladder. And by, I would say the early 70s, he was he was more or less running the show at the wrestler and inside wrestling.
1: So uh, that does kind of amaze me, though. I mean, these guys, uh, maybe, okay, maybe they had a thicker skin back then. But you think someone would be like, oh, come on. Or, or they just kind of assumed it's never, you know.
0: I, I think, you mean like if they wrote a, a, a negative article, a somewhat negative article about Babyface?
1: Yeah, what I was basically trying to look for right there was a negative, like a uh, somewhat of a negative story. Like, here's one. Um, uh, And they kind of had to do this, but it was about Mr. Wrestling 2. And this was in regards to an actual angle that happened where I guess they were playing around with turning him heel. And it was it was so bad. It really had no chance, even if it was a good idea, where Wrestling 2 was whining that he didn't win the most popular wrestler for the year before. So there's a story in here where he kind of looks stupid. Where he writes this explaining why I overreacted about the award. Now, they almost had to do this just to kind of explain away because they quickly aborted it and it looked strange. So this is a good way to explain it. But say it was something like that where, yeah, say uh, Backlund here doesn't look great. Does Bob look at this and be like, oh, you know, come on.
0: I am sure someone somewhere some babyface probably said something at some point but here's the thing and we'll get, we'll get back to the two thing in a mix I've I've got information on that um I think the wrestlers essentially knew that look these magazines at the end of the day they're good for business Bob Backlund being on the cover of of, of these magazines as he frequently was it was good for his career I think the guys just more or less rolled with it but back to the Mr. Wrestling two thing here's something the aftermags would do. They would get word that a wrestler was turning heel and they would start writing articles, you know, that made the wrestler seem kind of heelish. Well, there were at least two times where this blew up in their face. Um, Late eighty nine, early eighty, they started writing. I don't know, Ricky. They started making Ricky Steamboat sound really grouchy, and he had grown out a mustache. And I, I haven't heard that Mid Atlantic had planned on turning him, but I definitely believe the aftermags thought he was turning, um, because he seemed to to have soured a little bit. Part two of this is Mr. Wrestling Two. They absolutely were planting the seeds long in advance that M- Mr. Wrestling Two was turning heel. And they were planning on doing it. I do know that. And they did not pull the plug. They went in a different direction, which, by the way, I think is a really good idea. Mr. Wrestling, Two was not a guy you turned heel in Georgia at this point. And they had to run back on it and, you know, basically write this ridiculous article explaining what was going on and why he didn't turn, etc. And... You know, and this tells you something else too about the direction the wrestling business in general is going. More and more people are getting WTBS, and more and more people were having access to what was going on with the Mr. Wrestling 2 angle. So, this is their kind of way of just saying, okay, here's what happened
1: how are these magazines most influential what part because I remember when I used to get them the the three parts I was most excited about was the uh, the, the pullout section the the feature on somebody in this case it's Gurria and Martel which would, I would be annoyed about that but it would be some feature and then we have little questions about them like your fa- your greatest match and all this that I love that the top 10 rankings of course. Mm-hmm. And then the ads. what parts of the magazine do you think were because you often hear someone's coming to a territory well, we knew them because of the magazines. Oh yeah. what parts of the magazines what what features that I'm looking at were the most influential overall to you know to just you, know, you know to wrestling itself?
0: I would say the number one thing, and here's the thing: I would go into uh, that bookstore with every intention of buying that these magazines, but I would sit there for I don't know ten minutes and get through the the important part. The number one important part was the the ratings because if there was an AWA or an NWA title change, there it is right there. The second part would be two years later. Uh, It was literally, you know what? By this point, they were getting better because Flair had won the title. Uh, a little bit less than two months after, after, and the magazines came out with it like a like six or seven weeks after he won it. So they were it used to be like three months, and they were getting better at that. Did they call
1: Bill ahead of time ago, go, "You may want to be there for such and such event"?
0: Oh yeah. Totally. So why
1: why didn't Bill have pictures of the championship, the title change?
0: Um, like why didn't he know in advance or because he was clearly in the area? He was in Kansas City the next night. Uh yeah, that's a good. Actually, they say it's Des Moines, Iowa.
1: Oh, it was okay. I'm sorry, Des Moines, Iowa. It's in that area, but I mean that was yeah. the next night where he went and uh, fought Harley. But you are right; um, it was Des
0: Moines. They, they, you know what? This is speculative on my part, but yeah, they they must have known after had to have known because I know he was at ringside for the for the match in Kansas City. I remember him, you know, during the match snapping pictures. So he probably just hung around, went to Des Moines could they have used
1: like those pictures in another one of Bill's magazines and they didn't want to use them twice
0: uh it's it's possible um but here's the thing Bill Bill Apter I mean we we talked about he kind of put out uh, this magazine has a somewhat negative article about Bob Backlund but Bill Apter and the wrestling business they scratched each other's back um Like the spoiler, wrestled in Madison Square Garden without his mask because back then you weren't allowed to wear a mask at Madison Square Garden. Apter did not publish those pictures. Bob Backlund lost the WWF title in Japan to Antonio Inoki in 79. Apter did not even mention it. So it it worked both ways. The wrestling business helped him, and he definitely protected the wrestling business. Oh, there were multiple title changes he never talked about.
1: I mean, the Jack uh, Benino the Jack Bonino yes. one, the Carlos Colon one that was never mentioned. The one with Harley Race in New Zealand was never mentioned. The Jack Briscoe exactly. ones in Japan. Yeah. Oh, no, the absolutely. Ones
0: were. The Boba ones <laughs> were, but the other ones, you're right. He didn't mention them. This
1: this stuff was so whitewashed. Was, did, was there ever a point where he got into trouble with the promoters?
0: Ah, uh, I th- I, yes. I remember they, they collectively got mad at him because th- he printed an article about Jerry Lawler beating Andre the Giant by count out. And I don't even know if that was the actual result of that match, but I know Vince Sr. got steamed it after for that. But here's the thing, out of like 20 years, that's the only example I can come up with until 83 when, you know, the WWF wouldn't let him shoot at ringside anymore. He totally turned on the WWF after that.
1: Well, that, yeah, but there was a specific reason for that. I mean, well, if you can't, I wouldn't even say he turned on him. If you can't shoot, the whole magazine was based on the pictures. As you just said, you you would do the articles by, oh, look at this picture. We have a picture of Don Morocco with his foot in the rope. You know what? We'll go there. And you'll, you know, whatever, make up the article or whatever like that. But it was all based on the picture first, article came afterwards. If you can't take pictures at MSG, and this wasn't a grudge thing with Vince either, he just wanted his own mag. He wanted his own in house magazine.
0: Uh, Did he ever talk to Bill about bringing Bill in? You know that is a good question, and I I can't help but think that after it must have been approached. Why wouldn't Vince McMahon want to hire Bill Apter? That would be obvious. I
1: mean, he how many times has he shot? I mean, how many years has he been shooting MSG up to that point? To that point, uh,
0: seventeen. I 18? would say. I would say since like 70 or 71, he was shooting MSD. So it would be a two-part process. Number one, he'd get a really good photographer who was smart yep. to the wrestling business and didn't mess with it. And number two, he just pulled the plug on Weston. Right, and you just it's
1: not like you have to sit there and throw a ton of – the way he's throwing around money back then, I mean, I can't imagine taking care of Bill after would be difficult.
0: Okay, another thing that I generally enjoyed about the After Magazine, um, back in 1970, I think it was late 70, it was early 77, they had, you know, guys writing their columns, and Dan Shockett, out of nowhere, turns heel. He writes a column saying that, you know, he's finally seen the light, and the rule breakers are where it's at in pro wrestling and from that day forward, he wrote articles that you know were in favor of the bad guys. And some of these articles were really good. Some of them did not age well. And Dan yeah, got this is one a of the ones that didn't age that. well. He did a mailbag for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and this I, I don't remember this being the best one, but a little bit of sad irony going on here. He gets a letter from Robert Garipa in Brooklyn, New York. And by the way, I'm, I'm almost positive these letters were a shoot. Like, he really got them and he really responded. Dear Dopey Dan, while you still have the chance, join the Scientific Wrestlers and forget the rule-breaking bums. Now, now I'm going against what I just said. That, that This seems very worked. Michael Hayes did. Victor Rivera did. And so did bad Leroy Brown. Dusty Rhodes held the NWA championship while slime Harley Race rots away. Bob Backlund continues to clean up the scum of the WWF. And to call Nick Bockwinkle a champ is like calling you a good writer. Face it, shock it. Everyone's turning good. And before you know it, so will you. The response, dear Ridiculous Robert, let's hope we both live long enough to see me become a supporter of scientific wrestlers. Sadly enough, Dan Shockett died of cancer like three years later. So I guess you he didn't, what, what, didn't live long enough. What
1: are you doing to me here? I have a little thing to put in on Shockett. and you throw that in there. Now I'm going to look like a jerk for saying it. Um, I
0: was going to say that was going to make you look like a jerk.
1: No, no, no. no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, isn't it amazing that the letters and the responses have the exact same writing style?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and one other thing, you know what
1: the tip-off was that these were worked? Scienti- Please tell me one wrestling fan, whoever wrote or said out loud the phrase scientific wrestling, unless it was like mocking.
0: Uh, you know what? I don't know if anyone... I'm, I'm n- now I'm beginning to wonder, but I'm beginning. I I, I think if you read the after magazines, I use the term good guy and bad guy. I never said scientific wrestler or rule breaker, but those are the terms those ap- those magazines used. So if you read the magazines, I could see a person using those terms, even though I could also see them not using the, the, those terms. Oh, this is, I, this is really was a
1: good idea too. And I'm. It, it really does. I mean, maybe you're right. This was a particularly bad one. I guess they were jokes about Ted DiBiase, which I didn't even understand. Um, It was pulling up quick, but I, they were these just like, I'm like, they're, they're supposed, I guess they were supposed to be jokes. I wasn't sure they were supposed to be until he told me. Um, Why did Ted DiBiase get fired as an elevator operator? He got lost on the job. And where's that guy from? I, I I was going to leave that out. Thank you very much. Uh, Come on, where, <laughs>
0: where's Jack Donahue from?
1: Jack, he's from Taunton, Mass. There you go. Taunton, Mass. I didn't say we're proud of all of them. <laughs> and the uh, second one is, why does Ted DiBiase only smell good on his right side? He doesn't know where to buy left guard.
0: Well, right guard was a popular deodorant back
1: then. I know. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter. It's still not a joke. It's dumb. But anyway, yeah, this, this, this age is like, if the guy just went, you know what? Why am I sitting there watching so-and-so get turned on for the 17th time? You know, this is do it like Piper, you know, when, when Piper, <laughs> when Piper was a, like a, a heel announcer, it wasn't overt. It was very subtle. You know, it would just, it would just be little things he would bring up. Like, yeah, of course you're going to cheat there. Why wouldn't you? No one's looking. It was, the very same way. it was very logical. That's what they should have done here. But this guy basically just decides to play the heel guy.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's the after magazines. Everything was over the top. And let's be honest, it was either written for children or re- written for people who uh, are, have the minds of a ch- of children. I mean, you know. And us. <laughs> and well, and us. Yeah. I mean, I was I was I said this earlier. I was enjoying these things far too longer than I should have. And uh, then, as far as uh, to um, as we discuss the made-up portion, we'll get to
1: the press conference with uh, with Bruno. Uh, there are harder-hitting interviews in Pravda. <laughs> um, they the first part of the interview is the staff begging Bruno not to retire, with Bruno going, "Boys,
0: <laughs> you know I
1: I've got to be on my way." You know, like this John Wayne bit. <laughs> I mean, this is this is uh, so. After he says he can't possibly come back, he relives the title win from uh, Rogers, and he's saying, "You know, I think the question was, was the win over Rogers your greatest win?" I'm telling you, that's 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 some insight. With uh, the, I, I'm trying to remember. Were these
0: all the interviews? Uh, no, they had a hot a regular seat feature called the hot seat in Inside Wrestling, oh. and that is when that i figured out how i was 11 or 12 years old and baron von raschka had just come to the wwf so he was on the hot seat now they made a big deal about these guys flying into new york and being on their hot seat segment well I read through this, and I'm like, okay, this conversation took would take two or three minutes, and this guy flew all the way to New York to have it. Even if Von Raschke was in the WWF, um, and he was in New York, okay, but like other guests, they made a big deal uh, flying into New York just for that. And so you, so I knew right right away that like the the uh, interviews were fake. Well,
1: that and the time that Eddie uh, Gilbert was mad about his cold hot dog, so he threw a fireball at it. I don't remember I, that one. I figured that didn't happen in uh, JFK or uh you know LaGuardia airport <laughs> without without gathering the attention of the fed. So uh another guy here who's a real guy is
0: uh Stu Sachs. Stu Sachs is a real guy.
1: Uh here they he uh, writes uh, on about in his dressing room confidential that the NWA recently met to discuss the lax enforcement of the rules.
0: This was a good one.
1: So we have Dressing Room Confidential from uh, the very real Stu Sacks, and they were uh, the NWA officials recently met to discuss the lax enforcement of the rules. The following rules were discussed. The 10 count outside the ring, break it for a DQ at 5. The stranglehold is, quote, not legal. Because I guess it was before. Uh, jumping <laughs> off the top rope is a violation. So is eye gouging. Uh, uh, contact on the arena floor is a double DQ. Chops karate strikes are illegal. Punch with closed fist is legal. Uh, illegal. Pushing, shoving, striking. Uh, and the referee uh, draws an automatic DQ. And continued verbal abuse to the referee leads to a DQ. Did anybody outside of early 90s WCW Bill Watson enforce these?
0: Uh, just about no, unless you needed like a weird finish. No. And how often did Bill run this article out? Uh, this is the only time I can remember this specific article, although I I could just be forgetting something. There was always
1: something with their meeting about the rules of this area or the the lax enforcement here, and then there was a letter from the referee of some some referee saying that you know it's not our fault. You got to blame him. Blame the wrestlers for it. And it seems like every you know every you know uh, they had it like in nineteen eighty three with Slaughter and Dawn against Ricky and Jay, where they were talking about the violence in the in the sport. Yeah, you know? and well, that's uh, it's so, like, that
0: was a common theme.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. It was you know, in some. Various versions of this where they bring up the rules that they're not uh, you know, enforcing, and they proceed to not enforce them again. So it's, I guess that wasn't very influential.
0: Uh, who, who else was real here? Okay, we have uh, I Bill. Th- I think the only made-up characters were Liz Hunter and Matt Brock. I could be mistaken. At, at least during this era, I think those were the only two. Speaking of Matt Brock... Let's talk about some informal writing. I I really wonder who wrote for Matt Brock. I, I bet it was after, but I'm not sure. I'll tell you, my friends, this holiday season is beginning to get to me. I no sooner get through Thanksgiving with my bank account just about intact. And then, in quotes, Farhood said he had some good tips for the turkey gig contest. I swear he's making kickback money Somewhere, When Christmas is starting to breathe down my neck. Before you know it, New Year's Day will be here, and I'll lose another bundle on the bowl games. Okay, nice, nice to know that Matt can be so informal with us, but he talks about Baron Von Rashka uh, turning babyface in the AWA. As far as I know, this is the first time ever Von Rashka had been a babyface. And he says, now, I know a lot of people think that the Baron is a great friend because he's sticking up for his friend because he's avenging a wrong perpetrated by Blackwell and Stud. And this is the injured mad dog, Vachon. Well, all, old Matt is telling you right now, two wrongs don't make a right. I paid to read this stuff, like real money. And I didn't have a lot of it back in <laughs> 1981. No, then who I think wrote it? Um, Doctor,
1: he- I think it was Dr. Peter Labarro. PhD in PC,
0: who also happened him. to
1: write, he happened to write the article, Ken Patera, Man on the Run, from himself.
0: Oh, oh. man on the run, dot, dot, there dot, is, dot, from there, himself.
1: There is a, there is again a distinct, uh, a distinct similarity between the two. But <laughs> the good doctor is, and, and this is, he's a big wrestling fan. This is from the bottom of his heart. And he's such a professional. He's never met the man before in his entire life and knows nobody around him. But, he has determined his self-loathing diagnosis
0: through the fact that he leaves territories abruptly. Well, he, and, and to think about it, he hadn't even started doing that yet. Ken was I, have a good a, boy. I have a few
1: guys to add to the list. Now, okay, on something like that, where, where does this come from? Like, where do they come up with it? There's no picture that shows, like, Ken, you know, running away from somebody. Where do they come up with this bizarre... Story, or did somebody call in complaining that Ken is ducking places early?
0: Uh, no, they would just know, okay, Ken, he's. He's wrestling in the—where was he in this part of 81? Okay, 1980, Patera had a wild run. He was the Intercontinental Champion and the Missouri Champion at the same time. He was wrestling in Japan. He made appearances in the AWA. So they probably put all this together and just made this—oh, St. Louis, let's not forget that. uh, Houston. So they put all this together and say, hey, let's make this wacky article about a noted psychologist examining Patera's recent actions— and offers his analysis not bad Not uh, just a psychologist they, a noted psychologist does anybody lobby them I know didn't Jerry kind of lobby them a little bit Lawler uh lobby them for what more pictures and articles I
1: just yeah just getting you know publicity and stuff like that because I mean oh, certain sure. territories certain territories got more love than others so they were never in uh say southeastern because the fullers didn't want
0: them that is what uh Bo James said on this very show Yeah. So
1: basically also that was the case with, um, I guess Portland was just too far. Uh, There was a few territories who just didn't want those guys coming in, but other territories like Georgia got a lot of
0: coverage yeah and a, a lot of it I mean you're not only pub- the, the promoter is not only getting publicity the wrestler is getting publicity and if you get you know I to this day I say that the Pwi almost made Lex Luger in 1986 the guy he's wrestling for the Florida promotion which is as minor league as could be but he's on the cover of a lot of their magazines because he was good looking and photogenic and I believe that created, a little bit of a mania for the both the WWF and the NWA to want that guy. I say that guy, like, you know, I, I don't like him or something. I like him just fine. It's just that, you know, he got made in in a very interesting way.
1: When it comes to their influence, I I couldn't help but notice on page 37, on a little snippet of an article, I, I was blown away by this, that Mil Masqueros has been stifled. Stifled? Like, Edith? Bill, Bill, Bill's got to be kidding. He had him on. Well, how many times did Mil Maskers end up on the cover of some Bill After magazine?
0: Oh, my God. I mean, he was, after admits it, he was, Mil Mascaris was Bill After's favorite wrestler, and Mil got more, uh, a lot more, uh, magazine covers as a result bruno and, and moscars were always on the cover and according to apter himself anytime he put bruno on the cover the magazine sold way more than it otherwise would have so no wonder these guys are crying about bruno retiring yeah, and i you know it's yeah you know, i'm thinking they're thinking like maybe this is
1: like an internal complaint about mill not being on the cover of this magazine you know because he actually couldn't get on one so inside he puts his little uh A passive aggressive protest in there about getting Mill back
0: there where he belongs. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean. That's the thing I mean, I wonder, I guess they must have sold enough magazines when Moscarus was on the cover. I mean, you, you, I don't think Bill would put you know his personal preferences that much over you know what was good for the business. I mean, let's face it too. Moscaris was a very colorful guy. um he had the mask, he had the body. so i I can kind of see them having him on. i I, I mean certainly they should have had him on a little bit less, but I could see them having him on
1: in two dimensional form, he was magnificent.
0: Well put, sir. All right, let me read a little snippet from Steve Farhood. I am stomping at the bit to get to the ad, so go ahead. Okay, (laughs) we will get to the ads. Believe me, I can I can put a cherry on that Sunday. Mass Superstar has been temporarily suspended from professional wrestling in the United States. How can you do that? The term of his suspension is yet to be decided. The ban stems from an incident between Mass Superstar and NWA representative George Scott. During a television interview, Superstar threatened the official. Scott replied that any attack on a wrestling representative will ensure Mass Superstar will be banned from wrestling in U.S. arenas. Superstar proceeded to rough up the official. Who subsequently made good on his promise? Mass superstar is currently wrestling in Japan. From there, he intends to fight his suspension. This is a little bit meaningful to me because this is, I think, the first real angle I saw on Georgia television. Um, I was gonna say
1: this happened.
0: Yeah, uh, and I bet at least someone from. The PWI family was getting cable by this point, or WTBS on cable, even though New York City didn't get cable until like eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Um because yeah, Georgia's getting a lot more uh, publicity and they're getting a lot more photos, but the... All time strange tag team of Ray Stevens and Tor Kamada, along with the Mass Superstar and their manager, Great Mephisto. Uh, they did the angle where Tommy Rich was wrestling Mass Superstar in the cage, and all the heels jumped in the cage and beat up Tommy Rich. And George Scott came out to yell at Mass Superstar, and George Scott was so belligerent. I couldn't stand that guy. How how that guy was a baby face was beyond me. Sandy and Scott. It was it was Sandy Scott. Okay. Yep. George Scott, Sandy Scott, same guy, <laughs> and yeah, superstar like grabbed him and roughed him up on TV, and the guy yep. did a good job selling it. He looked like he was going to shit himself. And, That's all yeah, he
1: did. That was his job at that time. It seemingly he would sit there and like move money around, promote some towns, and on air he would he would be the enforcement of the NWA and get beaten up occasionally. Bob <laughs> Geigel took his role.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. I like I said. I, I saw the guy. I mean, a couple of years ago, when WWE Network put out all those Mid Atlantic episodes that I hadn't seen before, and the guy was just so overbearing. He just wanted one of the heels to slap him in the mouth. No, oh, it happened. Uh,
1: now about this
0: section here. This
1: was um, this was in a uh, a section called the Wrestling Inquirer. It looks like it was an
0: insert. Was this a magazine he was trying to get up uh, up and running, or? No, I think it was just, it was really, it was just part of this magazine itself, basically a, a small news section, um, you know, that give you little snip, snippets of what was going on. For example, Sergeant Slaughter won the United States title. Adonis and Ventura are heading to the WWF. Uh, Vern Gagne apparently did some commentary on AWA TV. I don't know if that's true or not. But well, no, allegedly-
1: The what I'm thinking is these all happened. Slaughter did win from uh, – win the U.S. belt. Uh, they did split up at this um, – uh, Adonis and Ventura did split up at this time. They did have the angle where Jaggers was refusing to defend the uh, the belt. The, what I'm thinking is that – because if you look at it, it says November 1981, but it looks like an insert. This is Bill's chance to throw in stories that actually happened. So Maybe. it gives like an air of legitimacy to the magazine.
0: Yeah, but then we then we get the curveball. After winning the Southern Heavyweight Championship, Bobby Jaggers has steadfastly refused to face any challengers. Despite the fact that 138 wrestlers have formally challenged him, wah, wah, Jaggers saw fit to accept only one challenge from a rookie. The match never occurred because the young man was in the hospital at the time recovering from pneumonia. Jaggers won his own only it's title a- defense by default.
1: It sounds ridiculous written down, but if you look at that as potentially a Jerry Briscoe promo on Florida TV, then that sounds like something he could have said. Like I can see Jerry going off on Jagger saying there was 138 guys who did this, and the only one he took was in the hospital, a rookie. It sounds like a promo that Jerry Briscoe would have given.
0: Uh, I, I, You know what? I don't remember. I was getting Florida TV. I just stopped getting Florida TV at this time. I don't remember Jaggers doing anything with Jerry Briscoe. But remember, 138, those are only the formal challengers. Don't forget forget the informal ones. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying a guy did it in a
1: promo and gave some outrageous, exaggerated number. Just as a gag saying, you know, just trying to make him look even worse. Um, th- again, it goes back to my all this stuff like you when you just said it we, or it blew you away that you saw the angle that just happened with the mass superstar. Well, that was the point. They were hoping that you were a Florida fan going, oh, I just saw that. OK. And then it gives kind of a an air of believability to the rest of it until you get to the ads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Until you get to the ads, let's let's talk about the advertisements in this magazine. Sean, I, I, I give you the floor. There are all
1: more, more upfront people in Hustler than there are in the advertisement section of, of these fine wrestling magazines.
0: So have, let me ask you, have you ever bought any of these? I cannot remember buying anything from an ad in a pro wrestling magazine. I do not believe so. Let me, let me just
1: give you a rundown here of what you're looking at. Now, the ads usually start off at the back third, but when they start, they start and they just come flying at you all over the place. They, and they've got some crazy stuff here. And if you were of a certain age, you, you, I'm sure you've seen all of these because, you know, that we all saw the ads. They were great. Um, so, uh, one is you have a uh, Dr. A.S. can make you several inches taller. I'm guessing actually spelling out his full name was too expensive. So he just went with Dr. A.S., but supposedly you could buy his three very important volumes for 12 bucks and grow several inches taller soon. I'm gathering Bill does not go off of federal guidelines for, for, uh, for like, SEC guidelines for selling your product.
0: They might have been different back then, or it might have been a product that did not require any kind of uh, uh, approval from the FDA or whatever.
1: Or you can learn karate at home from the New Oriental Karate School in Avon, New Jersey.
0: You can build muscles at home from Muscle Builders in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, hang on. The be taller thing. If you want to know the facts about height increase, send $0.35 for details to Tall Up Department at a P.O. Box in Louisville. Hope Jim Cornette wasn't involved with this. So basically, it's an advertisement for you to be sent a pamphlet. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: That's, That's a next ad. You're oh, on the, I'm sorry. Take a look at page thirty-three. Is mine? That's the second B taller ad. It's like competing oh,
0: okay. B taller ads. Ah, be several inches taller. Right, oh, but man, that costs twelve bucks. But he's so, still just selling you. He's still just selling you like a newsletter. He's not yeah, selling you any any like medicine or anything like that.
1: No, but the guy above um, on page thirty-three is sending you three important volumes, which sounds right. like an awful lot of work to you know gain a couple of inches i don't even want to read one volume i only want to read a pamphlet never mind three important volumes <laughs> and All then, right, then so- it gets a little it gets a little disturbing you can get blank form birth and uh, divorce certificates 2 dollars for two documents uh, that that's comforting
0: <laughs> oh high school and college diplomas
1: this is awesome yep, yep. <laughs> and nothing shady about that and then you can get stronger arms. The rest of you are on your own, but you can get stronger arms. This will run you five bucks. Mike Marvel scientific isometrics.
0: You remember Mike Marvel, right? I remember the isometrics deal. I don't, I don't remember him by name. I just know him because it was a picture of him all the time.
1: He just kind of sat there, almost like a wrestling promo, with his arms crossing his chest and kind of looking out at you. Mike Marvel. I didn't even know it was a real guy. Could have just been a picture of some okay, guy. Okay,
0: I know who he is. Yeah.
1: Now, that's not photo
0: it, ID. Like six bucks, and you get a photo ID. Have you ever had a fake ID, Sean? Uh,
1: I'm going through the 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 uh, probably the legal Okay, I think I'm okay on this. Uh, no, actually, I haven't.
0: Really? No. I I was like the king of fake IDs. I almost got. <laughs> trouble... One day, like coming home from Montreal and they pulled me over at the border and they went through my wallet and I've got like three fake IDs and a long story. But anyway, we order no, fake I mean, IDs. You get one, yeah. You can get one from Cardinal Publishing for six months. No, I, I went I went to another one. We got me and two of my friends got three for $20 and it, when it showed up, it had this big metallic thing over it. It said, not issued by any government agency. I'm like, crap, we just blew 20 bucks. We should have thrown it in the street. Well, my friend's sister comes over, and she looks at it, and she takes a coin. It came off just like a scratch ticket. It was the greatest thing in the world.
1: I knew a girl in college who spelled her name wrong (laughs) on her own own (laughs) fake ID. So that... uh... Yeah, <laughs> good job there. There's, there's some BU quality right there. there so go. you can. So I mean, now, if the stronger arm thing didn't work, I love this, how you have like the competing ads right underneath each other. So if the stronger arms ad doesn't work for two cents less, or 8.98 for two, you can get the hammer fist. The best part about this, so basically, it's what you think it is, which is putting this weight on your fist. Uh, the best part about it is that they are nice enough to tell you that this is for lifting and strength, not for hitting other people with. There you go. That's so important. Legal, I'm almost wondering if Bill kind of threw that in there just as a, you know, just put that in there just in case, just for legal ramifications. <laughs> All right. You can you can learn to draw in one minute. No talent necessary. <laughs>
0: Now, I'm scrolling down a little bit. We've all, I don't know how many of you guys have been to wrestling arenas in the 80s, uh, like the Boston Garden or wherever. They have solid bronze professional wallet badges. I think about the idea of some of these dirt bags and went to the Boston Garden, like buying these fake, fake badges and w- what came out next. Holy crap.
1: And then when we move on to page 36, we get into pretty much straight out fraudulent. Um, so I found out that I can make my fortune stuffing envelopes. I get 80 cents per thousand. I stuff (laughs) now. If I go down here, it says that I can, um, let's see, right here, I can make I'm on 36, I can make $1,500 weekly stuffing envelopes. That's
0: a lot of money in 1981.
1: If I take the above ad as math, where I'm making $0.80 cents per thousand, it would take me stuffing 1.8 million envelopes to make this 1500 <laughs> a week. So there, I, I'm guessing there's a pay discrepancy. Maybe it's a fancy type of You may need a special skill for the you know, 1500 uh, uh, you know envelope stuffer group.
0: You don't get to make $150,000 of 1981 money sitting on your ass. And here's another one where oh, wait, You would be stuffing envelopes, never mind Here's another
1: one where you can make $2,728 If every specific number Probably uh, is added uh, Just send three bucks to Okay, first of all, if someone tells you You can make a lot of money, then send us money Don't do that <laughs> Send three bucks to Williams Enterprises In Rosedale, Mississippi, and we'll tell you how They don't bring up how They just give you the money amount and the address You ye of little
0: faith, sir
1: Oh, I, this is like a little bit of heaven. And then we have this. This is the entire ad. Big money, fast technique, five bucks. Mail to Gainesville, Georgia. Uh, All right.
0: Now, let me let me tell a quick story about oh, these uh, ads.
1: Last one. Exciting, last one? Okay. romantic, oriental Latin girls. Free photo. Oriental Latin? Exciting and romantic. <laughs> I hope. Free photos. I'm not sure what you're supposed to do after that. They kind of leave it at that.
0: Uh, nothing suspicious at all. No. About that. So, what Lanny, was your story? Lanny Poffo. I got. I've got a couple. What Lanny Poffo used to talk. Did an interview where he said that he ran a company uh, that purchased ads in an After Magazine. It was like a self defense thing, like you know, no one will ever do you harm again. And in the pamphlet, so you know, it was like ten dollars for this pamphlet that will make you like you know indestructible and in the pamphlet it would say things like if someone tries to attack you climb up a tree and get away from them like he would make a total farce out of it and he would keep the keep the person's money like if that's not a, a wrestling thing i don't know what is secondly i remember uh, the ring magazine um the, one of the kites magazines i think it was wrestling review had an article uh, about basically talking about the ring wrestling review you know the whole it was i Pretty sure it was written by Nat Lubit, and he was like, You know, we take pride in our magazines not running ads that would make anybody embarrassed to have to own this magazine. You can ha- have this magazine in your living room, your children can look through it. I'm like, Gee, I wonder who he's taking shots at. Um, now, but please. please huh? okay, I was just
1: to say, please keep it in mind as I, I give you this ad for world's largest matrimonial catalog. <laughs>
0: All right, so keep all of that in perspective. This is after all the the ads we just talked about were after they did a major cleanup of their ads. You should have seen some of the ads they had in the 70s. Um, Let's start at the top. Um, When I lived in North Attleboro, I talked about, you know, as a kid, we grew up near a place that had a flea market every Sunday. And sometimes I'd go to the flea market and sometimes people would have magazines out. Well, one day, this guy had a magazine. It was The Wrestler from, I think it was December 1975. So at the time, this magazine was about hmm, two or three years old. And I'm like, oh, cool. Can't we wait to see this. Bring it home. And one of the ads had a girl wearing nothing but a pair of panties. She was topless. And there was this little black line going through her breast so that you couldn't see her nipples. But she was essentially topless. And it was for a love doll. And I was like, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you I was the smartest kid in the world, but I knew stick that magazine into a pile of, you know, wrestling, football, baseball, whatever magazines. And don't ever leave that one laying around because that'll be the last wrestling magazine you buy if your parents see this one. That's, um, the, that's the special under the mattress stack. Uh, the mattress be the easiest place to find something. This would be just it's a general stack that no one's going to look through, um, and no one ever did, so that worked. Um, but these had. are these are wholesome,
1: wonderful kind of family entertainment. Um, at the same address as the matrimonial catalog, we have cancer breakthrough.
0: Hey, where else to just, advertise for that? But a wrestling just magazine. Send a
1: self-addressed stamp envelope to uh, Doctor Box One Four Five Five Two, of course, Fort Lauderdale, Florida.
0: Does it just say Doctor?
1: Yes, it does. Oh, my God. Again, you couldn't afford the letters for the full name. So just say doctor.
0: <laughs> okay. They In the old magazines, they had um advertisements for brass knuckles, but it was a belt buckle. But these were brass knuckles. They yep, had I remember knives. those. Yeah, they had all kinds of just crazy contraband stuff. And the so the ads we're seeing now is like the cleaned up version. So I just wanted to throw that in.
1: Or uh, how about this? On page, uh, let's see, page 36 here, you can buy solid bronze professional wallet badges. For four
0: ninety-five. you can have a deputy sheriff six-point star. Yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Like, you, you don't want these wrestling dudes saying, hey, man, pull over. I need to have a word with you. Like, you know what's going to happen next. You can These ha- people you can should a- not have badges. You can have a
1: special agent badge. I don't know a special agent or what, but that- you would be a special agent. In
0: general, just a special agent. It's a thing of beauty. But, hey, anyway... I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Stick to Wrestling. Uh, Sean, thank you for everything you do for the show. Um, Also, I just want to throw this out again. If you want to be part of our Facebook group, uh, just go to Facebook, search Stick to Wrestling, and it comes right up. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Lou for producing the show and doing everything he does. This show has been a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. We'll see you guys next week.